This is the Women with Vision podcast, where we get real with some of the leading entrepreneurial superwomen about what it takes to build a business online and beyond with kids, husbands, and everything else. Hey there, superwomen. I am so very excited today to have my next guest. She is the head of the Hispanic Alliance for Career Enhancement. And I'm excited to have this conversation. This is during an amazing month for Latin Heritage Month, but she is doing, they're doing so many great things uh, for this or for the organization, for the community. Patricia Moda, how are you? I'm doing well today and I'm excited to be here and have this conversation with you. Yes, I'm excited. Okay, so first of all, you know, I want to know all about how you even got into this uh, industry or this area. You know, I had a real love for multicultural studies growing up. And so that kind of sticks with me and shows up in a lot of things that I do. But what is your background? Yeah, I identify as Latina. I am Mexican-American. I am the proud daughter of immigrants. And um, those are some components of of my identity, including being a first-generation college student and going into professional field that I lead with every single day that helped me become um, who I am today, but who I continue to become as as my career, my personal and professional trajectory evolves. Um, I do all that I can uh, in terms of achieving my highest potential, but helping others achieve their highest potential to try to justify the sacrifices that my parents have made for my siblings and I to have a better life. And so that's, that's part of my why, but also growing up as, um, uh, many experiences that I've had, but one in particular, as a high school student, I had the opportunity uh, to move to a new high school. And, and where I grew up, predominantly uh, Black and Mexican, low-income neighborhood, um, I moved to a more affluent community my junior year of high school, which was predominantly white. Um, but that wasn't so much the issue at that age. You make friends wherever. I think the eye-opening experience was going from uh, the academic academic rigor that I experienced in my original high school to the new high school, I was placed in AP Calc, AP Physics, um, and having that experience, but also uh, the fact that my original high school had only recruiters from the military versus my new high school, there were recruiters from various colleges and universities across the country. Um, and then the other key thing was that my guidance counselor I met maybe twice a year versus my new high school. We were meeting often, whether it was weekly, uh, checking in on my college, my career plan, and how I was going to get there, what resources were available. And all of that is what I tell people I live the education gap, the resource gap that a lot of our underserved students um, experience, Make, meaning that we start with a leg behind when once we are able to pursue post-secondary, um, pursue higher education, uh, and why it's so critical that we are helping communities that are in these underserved, under-resourced um, community, growing up in these communities, have access to resources, information to meet them where they are, to help them have that equitable uh, experience, but to be able to meet them where they are. And so that's part of my story in terms of why ever since then, I'm always looking to close gaps 
not only for students and my peers at the time, but then as I got into my professional career, helping professionals also um, under, g- gain resources and access to information that perhaps, you know, by no fault of their own, they just didn't have access to, right? So that's a part of, of my why. Um, in terms of my professional career, I mean, that that that's being in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space or helping close the gaps has been something consistent from an undergrad uh, I, 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 in college, I went to Indiana University in Bloomington, was awarded an AmeriCorps grant to help um, start a local community center. El Centro Comunal Latino is still up and running today, but working with um, the university, with the local business community, with the city of Bloomington, to put this effort together to help a growing Latino community with information and with resources. Um, And that taught me a lot about partnerships, a lot about fundraising and building um, to help with the uh, end goal, in this case, to help the community. Uh, My career trajectory spans from uh, working in that city and local government, community affairs, to working at a corporate utilities company, to then working in higher education. Um, And as I was working in higher education, was finishing up my graduate degree in public administration, was looking for a nonprofit that I can build programs and scale nationally. And that is when I interviewed with ASE in 2010, or the Hispanic Alliance for Career Enhancement, for a program director role, primarily focused on our women's leadership program, Mujeres de ASE, which at the time was solely in Chicago, was able to revamp, build and scale now 15 cities and now even internationally across the country, helping women get to that next level in their career, but most most importantly, um, closing the pay gap and creating a strong multi-generational support network across the country. Then my role evolved to leading our fundraising, bringing in our partnerships, um, and now uh, going on six years of serving as president and CEO. And so um, throughout all of these roles, it's been closing the gap and helping with programs and with resources. And most recently, a side thing that I started with my co-founders, Juan Carlos Avila and Olga Camargo, is SheNex, a fintech to help Latinas close the wealth gap. This would be available early next year. And I'm excited for this this endeavor because it also aligns with my personal mission. And it's another tool um, to be able to help close uh, the wealth gap, the pay gap that that Latinas and and women uh, face. This is so good. There was so much in there. And I wanted you to just get it out first because I was just like getting, you know, turned on by so many things. (laughs) Let's, Let's start right at, um, you know, resource gap. Okay. So Mm -hmm. this is an active conversation that we're having. Okay. You said something right away that you notice a difference coming from a primarily Hispanic school district or school going into a primarily Caucasian Mm -hmm. and seeing this difference in the resources that were provided for you. Okay. And we don't, we kind of take for granted about this, But then that really sets us up to, for many, many years to come, to have not enough resources, Mm -hmm. not enough information. Okay, so like with the theme of resource gap, closing resource gaps, how can we start or just be aware of this inherent gap early enough that we can close it, say, for our children? What would you say would be the very first thing as a parent, if Mm -hmm. I'm in this situation, I don't have the information either. How do I close the gap knowing that I'm probably missing something here? 
but for my children. Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. Uh, the the silver lining with I th- I, I believe this pandemic has been uh, some of the resources now being available online, right? The virtual, whether there's programs and information. However, on the flip side, I think more than ever has it come to light that a lot of our underserved communities don't have access to the internet or the digital divide that exists. So that has come to light more than than ever. I I think um, one thing, a a couple of things I would say is is one is being able to reach out to community organizations um, such as ASE, such as for perhaps, you know, there, you know, I was part of some of these programs, right? Like an upward bound, a trio um, that are college prep or that are helping college students to help get through that information um, to help prepare your child um, for that, wherever they are, right? Be able to meet them where they are. Um, there's a lot of organizations that I would get my child involved with, right? And so I think it's, it's asking. Sometimes we're not asking, um, especially if, if you have humility as a strong value, with the, which a lot of us in the Latino community do, which means you know, we don't want to bother. We don't want to ask. And so um, because especially for your children, I, I, I always say you got to keep asking and asking, right? Whether it's going to your local library or local church community um, and being able to seek out the resource because they vary where you are. Um, and, and then the, the other, the second piece I would say is that one thing that uh, a lot of our underserved community students face is not seeing visible role models or, or leaders that they can um, see themselves in. And so leveraging organizations, but also seeking them out, um, whether they're speaking at an event or whether there's so many virtual now speaking opportunities and, and sitting down and just watching it with your children, right? Um, so that they they can see themselves, whether whether it's another Latina, whether it's another woman of color, right? Or whether it's, it's you know, a, a strong male figure that, 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 you know, is of the same background that that young child can, can relate to and get inspired. And I think we've seen that more than ever. The, the last 18 months where now, um, whether there's figurines or there's dolls or where, where organizations are looking to make sure that they're being more inclusive, not only on the big screens, right, um, but even in, in our the toys that the children have and things like that. So um, I, I, those are two things that I would say. I love that. Okay, so now moving up, right? So you yeah. have experience now with kids. Now, as a person going into the workforce, right, you're probably dealing with that a lot. You know, you find yourself in a job. Uh, we're going to skip through college and say, okay, I finished college and now I want to figure out how I can get that first job that's going to be the perfect fit. A lot of times we don't have the resources. We don't know where to go. We go on Career Builder or wherever we go. Mm-hmm. How do we close that gap for resources to know? Like, you know, we don't, you know, it's all about who, you know, but I don't know nobody. (laughs) Right. So how do we close that gap for women that are trying or even men trying to get um, the right fit for a job? Yeah, from college to career, right? One thing on, you know, as a college student or to college students that um, are tuning in, or if we are working with college students is, um, and and it's, it look for ways to get involved on whether you're on a campus or a community commuter campus, um, whether it's volunteer opportunities, whether, um, you know, I, I've had to work multiple jobs as a college student. So whether it's your work study or that part-time restaurant role or putting some hours at the local gym, 
Um, you know, all of those things is part of your network during that time. And so for me as a college student was leveraging that, but also as being, making sure that folks know what type of career I was looking for, right? Because you never know who can connect you. And, and that did help me tremendously. But the second thing, as you're building out your resume, never underestimate that volunteer experience or those roles or those clubs that you were involved with. And so as I was preparing for those interviews is applying how I can lead a group of individuals because I led my peers through a volunteer activity on campus. Um, using that experience to say I was able to, you know, um, offer great customer service at the local art bookshop that I worked at, and this is how I did it, and it applies to this role. Um, so many times, not only as early professionals, but women in general, right, we won't apply for that job that says you got to have three, five years of experience if you're coming out of college. Well, I was applying for those jobs, and I was saying I can do it because I have my experience working multiple jobs on campus, achieving, you know, a success in my classes, um, and being able to advocate for myself using those, those experiences. Right. I love that. Okay. So another thing that I don't think that a lot of people realize, which is probably happening with ASE, um, is community and understanding mm -hmm. who, you know, it starts when you're in college. So when I went to college, I was in a commuter college. I had a job, I had to work, but a lot of, I didn't realize, I just mm -hmm. wanted to get the, I just wanted to finish the classes, but I didn't take the time to build the relationships, yeah. right? Yeah. Where a lot of people, they put their kids in Harvard and certain Ivy League schools. It's really because they can really work relationship. Mm -hmm. So what would you say for someone who's coming from, you know, a background, their parents didn't go to college, they're fighting their way through to figure it out. They're paying their self. They're going to school. They're raising a family at the same time. How can they position themselves to close the gap on relationships, do you think, during that time? Yeah, is one is understanding and it may be at the time because I couldn't I agree with you. Right. Uh, I don't think I understand understood then what I know now in terms of the full impact of those relationships. Um, because yeah, I was building a few, but I, I don't think I did to the extent that I could have, right? Especially with the professors that, you know, I think it was intimidating uh, for me more than anything that I didn't want to ask questions or build a relationship, but I wish I would have, right? Um, and so I think I'm losing, what was the, the, the point of the question? <laughs> yeah, just building relationships and how do we close the gap on that? Even though we're busy with our jobs and our families and all yeah. these, how can we take advantage of the time that we're in college or in this learning uh, atmosphere to build relationships? Yeah, so plan it out, right? I think even saying on a monthly basis, I am going to reach out and ask for coffee, um, whether it's like a virtual, I think that's the other thing that could make things a little bit easier and say, I am going to prioritize once a month to schedule a virtual coffee or go out in person if you're able to do that, right? Um, and in, ensuring that you know what, what are the type of individuals that you need to be relationships with. Do they have some no, sort of knowledge in the career sector that you want to be in? Do they, uh, is there something that you admire about them that you're just not sure, but you want to dig a little deeper, right? It's not just with anybody. I think it's important as we are building our networks that we're being strategic. And those are some of the key things that that as a college student, I was doing like reaching out, like, I, you know, I'm interested, I want to learn more. Um, and people more oftentimes than not are more than willing to, to connect with you. And always 
um, it's not just about asking what they can give for you, whether it's a connection or whether um, sometimes it's just a meet, right? And being okay with that and knowing that there may, that may not go anywhere, but that you you had a relation that you're building a relationship. Um, but maybe at the end of the, or during the meeting, you find something that you can offer a value to them, right? And so always keeping that in mind, like not only how are they going to help you or what are you going to learn from them, but what is it that you can provide a, a value to to them as well? Yeah, I love that. Um, okay, so get into your wheelhouse, career enhancement. Mm-hmm. You got a job, mm-hmm. right? You are looking for opportunities. There's a lot of sister organizations within the Black community, the mm-hmm. Asian community. You're in this Hispanic community. And I want to grow in my job. I just want to get a mm-hmm. raise. And I know you have a whole curriculum for this. So how do you get your 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 uh employer to send you to something like that because I didn't even know that was available yeah and sometimes that is the first step right we have folks that reach out to us that are interested in the programs and we'll have a conversation and walk them through and empower in terms of going back and asking. And many times they go back, they said, yes. And it's like, of course, right? Uh, most of our employers, especially the big corporations have professional development dollars. Your supervisors have some funding that can support you through these types of initiatives and programs to help you. And if you are go- approaching them with the opportunity and can say how it's going to apply back to your role and how it's going to benefit your growth and growth and development, the organization, um, you'll be seen as a leader for asking and for for researching and digging through how that's going to to support you. And so um, that's usually the the first step. And uh, once you're able to go through the the program, I mean, the, the curriculum it's a traditional leadership program. It's a cohort-based model, I would say, with the, the, the culturally relevancy in the sense that we're talking about traditional cultural values in the Latino community. We're bringing in folks sharing their own stories in terms of how they identify and really shedding light on what the diversity that there is within what the U.S. Hispanic Latinx cohort represents, right? We're talking about 27 countries of origin. We're talking here in the U.S. either we have stories of those um, who are immigrants or first, second, third, fourth, fifth generation. Um, not everyone speaks Spanish, right? And then we have our Brazilian counterparts that may not necessarily identify as Latinos, but are part of the community as well. And so there's so much there. And I think so much richness that and intersectionality with other communities, right? We have 25% um, that identify as Afro-Latinos, right? This is part of Caribbean, other groups as well. And I think that cultural, not only in terms of how folks identify, but the traditional values and norms that come into the workplace, what challenges does that create? But most importantly, how do we leverage those unique, um, authentic leadership traits and capabilities that we each have to be able to go back and be a better leader, better contributor, and advance in the workplace, get promoted, and most importantly, um, get paid what you deserve to be paid. I love that. Okay, so I want to kind of go over to the new thing you're creating, Mm -hmm. right? Closing the wealth gap, right? Which is, you know, we're going to be having, I'm having a big conversation about this in a couple of weeks with a lot of leadership, a lot of women in African-American leadership. And um, there's a lot of companies now that all of a sudden interested in wanting mm-hmm. to know, you know, cause they're seeing the numbers, you know, there's like two to 300 new women businesses they're starting 
every day. Uh, uh, African American, two hundred and sixty-four. Mm-hmm. Latina, two hundred and fifty a day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're trying to figure it out. They're trying to get. They're trying to scale their lifestyle. Trying to change their lifestyle. Trying to get more. You know, close the wealth gap. Mm-hmm. So how do we do that? You know, we're starting off a little behind, you know, and, and, uh, in this, you know, we come, we don't have a legacy wealth. Yeah. So what do you think that some of the ideas that we can do? So much that needs to be done specific to Sheenex, the FinTech that is being developed. We've interviewed Latinas and across the country to find out what were some of the key challenges when it comes to, um, whether it's from starting from budgeting to all the way to investments, right. And that level and all in between, um, and, you know, Latinas being, um, majority, you know, head of households in terms of making key economic decisions for both, not only their children, but aging parents. And a lot of women can identify with that as well. Um, but also the go-to financial expert to your tias, your aunts, your uncles, your tios, um, to the primos, the cousins down the street. You have a degree. They essentially, you are expected to know it all when it comes to the financial decisions for not only your immediate family, but your extended family. And then guess what? We want to plan that quinceanera or the the sweet 16th, right? And we want to be able to financially plan for that and all of, you know, the the family, um, other family obligations. And so Latinas are just stressed, but don't have the right information and resources to be able to guide their, their families. And so we're calling this, you know, um, you know, Latinas playing uh, effectively at the, the game of it's not the game of life. It's the game of familia, the, the family. And that is true at, at its core. And so with this fintech is being able to provide the culturally relevant products and services to be able to support them along the way um, and help achieve key milestones. But then in addition to that, when you talk about Latina business owners, right, and, and uh just in general, in terms of all the growth that we're experiencing, um, we know with all the data out there that the the, the challenges continue to be lack of access to capital, um, lack of access to um, culturally relevant content um, to, to support them along and resources, right, to support along the way. And mean, the third one being meaningful connections. Um, we're, we're seeing that in so many, and, and that being the case, I'm proud that we at Asset, one of our partners, they provided us the, the funding to start a pilot, take our Mujeres de Asset, our Women's Leadership Program, to customize it to the entrepreneurs. And so we're launching that here in the next month, um, taking all of this into consideration. What do we want the Latinas, the, the small cohort that we're starting off with, the 20 women that we're going to work with? We want them to walk away with access to capital. We want them to walk away with having knowledgeable, culturally relevant contents and resources. And they will walk away with the meaningful resource and connections through ASA and beyond that's going to help them, whether it's putting their bit, the updating their business plan marketing plan, anything with attorneys, because we have access to that asset. And so there's no excuse for this cohort. And I'm saying that out loud, that it's going to graduate and be successful and set them up for success in, in their businesses. And so it is my hope that once we're able to pilot and adapt, shift as needed, that that's going to be um, something that can be replicated the same way that we've been replicating this program in general to help women go get promoted in the workplace. 
Oh my gosh. This is so good. I know you guys are just getting so much out of this because I really am. And with so many things that you're doing, what inspires you? What keeps inspiring you to keep building and creating all these amazing things that you're working on? The participants, and of course, I have a soft spot for the Latinas that go through our programs um, and hearing their stories when they come back and they say, I got that promotion or they come back and they say, I was able to increase my pay some like doubling, right? And, and really leveraging the tools and the talking points that are being communicated from our mentors, our subject matter experts and applying them. Um, Mujeres de Ace, we've tracked that within less than uh, six months of completing the program, 40% a reported increase of pay, a promotion, that goes up an additional 30%. So within less than 12 months, so within less than a year, 70% are going back and getting promoted and increasing their pay, which is helping close this, this gap, right? Latinas on average nationally earn 55 cents to the dollar compared to their white male counterparts. That's a loss of potential wealth of over a million in their lifetime, right? And, um, and so it is that we are helping close that gap through these programs, right? Through this program. And so that keeps me inspired and, and motivated that say, okay, it's working. How do we reach more? How do we reach more? And we've continued. And, and that's always my goal is to be able to reach more because it is working. And how do we get others involved and continue to ensure that no one is being left behind? Um, and, and same thing with, with our peers. We have an emerging co-ed leaders program. Um, and, and now with this entrepreneurship program that we're, we're launching is, um, seeing that the problems that have been, we've been discussing for such a long time, I'm ready to just say that here's the solution. Right. I love that. Okay. So let's, we've been talking about a lot of different groups, a lot of different women, you know, let's say, you know, a lot of different listeners are listening. They hopefully hear themselves, you know, wherever they are in their, Mm -hmm. their life cycle right? From Mm -hmm. school to college, to Mm -hmm. going to their first job, to now, you know, elevating their career to starting a new business. Okay. Wherever they are, uh, what would you tell them as a Latina woman? Maybe they're the first generation in their family to do what they're doing. Mm -hmm. What would you tell them to do first? If they were just like, okay, I I, I'm so inspired by Patricia. I I, want to do everything she's telling me. What would you tell her, you know, to do first? What would be the first thing she should do to get herself started? Well, I'm a big believer. I mean, being that we, in terms of ongoing learning and development, right? Myself, I I think that um, I have been able to achieve a certain level of success, but I, I still believe that there's so much more I need to learn. And so whether it's attending a, a course, a webinar, whether it's um, reading a new book, a podcast. I love podcasts. So I love that I'm doing this podcast. It's, it's like I always get something new from, from a resource. And so, um, but I'll, I'll take it a step back, right? Because I think that one thing in this fast paced and even faster paced world that we're living in is that there are things coming to us every single day on a personal professional basis that it is so critical, and I, and I need to carve out time before the end of this year, that we're taking time to self-reflect, that we're taking time 
to reassess what's happened, what's happening, what am I, what are my goals in the next six months, in the next year? Um, so that way we can plan backwards from there, right? Because if not, if we're not leading our lives, the lives will lead us, right? To the direction. And someday we'll wake up and you'll be like, how did I get here? Because we are not taking the time to reflect and strategically plan for it. Um, I don't know if it's an age thing, but every year my parents are like, the years are, the days are going by faster and faster, it seems, right? So, um, and one way to, that I do that is I love journaling. And I love now that there's so many journals out there with, with questions. So like you just, you can, they can ask you and guide you. Um, you know, you can go to Target and get those journals too. But then at, while I do that, at least on a monthly basis, for, that works out for, for me is at least that once a month journaling. What I also like to do that's been part of my own uh, journey is once a year, I take a three, four day trip um, and I go to the and, and I know we may not be uh, have the privilege to do so. So think of what you can do. But I'll go to the Caribbean. I'll sit on a beach. <laughs> I'll take my journal and I'll take a book that I want to read and just reflect. And that always helps refresh me, realign and ensure that I know what I need to do to meet my goals for the next coming year. Um, and I know it sounds it, it's it's just so critical, I think, because, again, we're we're all striving to to be to do great things. But the world, if you're not leading it and being strategic about it, it'll take you to somewhere you perhaps were not planning. Um, and then the second thing I, I would say, in addition to the, the self-reflection is to ask, like once you know what those goals are and what is it you want to do, making sure that you're sharing your story and that you're asking. I, I think one thing that I've seen time and time again, and I, I see this not only in my family, but those that we work with is that we're so afraid to ask for, and, and it's, it could be a, a humility thing. It could be that, and I grew up in, in a family of, of a strict traditional Mexican Catholic household, where also I heard from the male figures in my household, like calladita mas bonita, right? The quieter you are, the more beautiful you are. And um, I didn't realize until I got into the professional workforce that sometimes that was still in my head in meetings. With, which is why I wasn't speaking up because I was like, oh, maybe it's not my place. But you know what? We have to we have to understand how we grew up and understand how to assert ourselves where we need to and being comfortable with that. And so whatever that is for you, um, how to get more comfortable asking, making sure you're practicing it with those that you're comfortable with in front of the mirror, whatever. But I know it's a journey and we're all at a different point with getting comfortable with that and, and taking action, right? I think would, would be the, the third thing. So self-reflect, making sure we're asking and that, that we're taking action. Oh my goodness, Patricia, this has been so good, so good. And I know we went way more than I even told you were going, but as soon as you said closing the resource gap, I was like, oh no, this is a whole new conversation. <laughs> I loved it. Thank you so much. <laughs> so uh, where can they find you? Because I know people are just inspired listening to this. Um, give us your website, where we find you on your Instagram, You know your social media yeah. handles. Yeah, so our website is uh, haceonline.org. So we pronounce ASE in Spanish, so aseonline.org. 
Uh, I also, um, you know, my name, Patricia Mota, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, also, my Twitter handle is Patricia Mota 77. Um, I don't know. I should know my Instagram. I think it's Pimota 7. That one I'm not as active on. I need to do a better job with that one. Um, but I, but again, talking about strategic, I'm only focused on Twitter and LinkedIn um, for a reason. But I, I think now with this other endeavor that I'm doing, I need to go on these, these other ones as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Patricia. And I cannot wait for everything that we're going to be doing coming up in the future. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for the invitation to join you today. And, and again, I, I'm, I'm also saying the same thing. This is just the beginning of what we're going to continue to collaborate on. 